are you ready to get in the word this morning? I know I am. Let me just try to teach. We're, we're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, so we're talking about the Holy Spirit. This is someone who is so near and dear to my heart that I trust and rely on him every moment of every day. Uh, you know, without him, I don't know where I'd be. Wouldn't even want to know where I'd be. You know, because he's so good. He's my strengthener. He comforts me. He's my personal trainer. He brings a revelation of God's word to my heart so that I can see the word of God. He is the one that helps me walk in overflow. You know, all life, all ministry flows out of the overflow of your personal walk with the, with the Lord. And he's the one who strengthens me. He's the one who's with me in the fire, right? He's the one that, that does everything. I love that. You know, God the Father comes up with the plan. Then God the Son, Jesus, right? He does what? He, he carries out the plan. But what does the Holy Spirit do? He reveals the plan. You know, because we can't, we can't say what we don't see. We can't move in a direction that we don't see. So he is the great revealer. So we've been talking about that. Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We're going to continue on today talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We started last week talking specifically about walking in power and authority. We said this, remember we said this, that when the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, think of it this way, it is an inward strengthening that causes an outward empowerment in your life. So this, let's, let's look at this in the Word of God. It says, but you shall receive power. And we know that's the Greek word dunamis. That's miraculous power that has been released, loosed. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Now the people that this is speaking to were already born again. They had already received Jesus in their heart. So the Holy Spirit was already on the inside of them. But that was not enough. Jesus is like, listen guys, you go to Jerusalem until you be endued with power. And, and you know, we talk a lot about the upper room and we got to realize this. We think, you know, Jesus resurrected he was on the earth for 40 days after his resurrection. He was seen by, in, in many infallible proofs, the Bible says, up to 500 people saw him face to face. Either that, or it's hard in the Greek to understand this, it was either 500 total or groups of no larger than 500. We don't know, so it could have been many more. But at the end of that 40 days, he goes back to heaven and now the Father is going to send the mighty Holy Spirit. We just celebrated the feast day of Pentecost just a few weeks ago. Pentecost means 50. So Jesus goes to heaven after 40 days of, of after his resurrection. Ten days later, the Holy Spirit comes. We always kind of get the idea that this 120 people kind of went in this upper room, and when they finally got in one accord, then God poured out the Holy Spirit. But that's not the case. God 
does everything according to his calendar. He does everything according to his moeds. That's the Hebrew word for determined times. These feast days are all fulfilled in Jesus. And this one in Pentecost was fulfilled when the Holy Spirit was, was poured out. That, they were already in one accord. They all went to Jerusalem in one accord, one on fire with one purpose, we want the mighty Holy Spirit. Listen, when Jesus would have said that to them, they would have been like, this is cool because the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus. We've watched what that, what that means in my life. We saw it in Jesus' life for three and a half years. We saw the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit that was upon him. We saw that. So they went to Jerusalem wanting it, passionately, burning on the inside. They were there for 10 days, and it says, and when, right, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, God does everything by dates. I would encourage you, every Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets, it's this September. Everyone going forward, I would, I would encourage you to get up and before 10 o'clock in the morning of that day when it starts, which is 6 o'clock in Israel, I, I would be very, I would encourage you to maybe just go, Jesus, I am looking for your return, right? Why is that? Because you know what? One of these Rosh Hashanahs, we're going to hear a trumpet. We're going to hear a shofar, and we're going to be out of here for seven years to party, right? A reward ceremony and a party, a dinner. Seven years of eating, wow, that's crazy, right? <laughs> and gaining no weight. Think of that when you get, when, I mean, the minute you stand before Jesus, you'll have a six-pack. I mean, we all have them now. They're, some are just covered up a little more than others, you know, right? But when the day of Pentecost was fully come, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. And this is what they received. They received dunamis power. And it says, after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the utter parts of the earth. So again, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It brings an inward strengthening that causes you to see that the greater one lives on the inside of you and that he is greater than anything you will ever face in your life. And that builds a confidence in you so that you can step into these outward empowerments that are coming from the Holy Spirit. That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. And it's not a one-time event. Well, I should say it this way. First of all, it's not optional, right? This was a command of our Lord. Well, I just don't understand it. Okay, that's great. We could help you understand it. But man, you don't want to say, oh no, I don't, I don't want that because I, you know, that tongue stuff is a little crazy or whatever. No, don't limit, don't, don't put God in the box of your experiences or your knowledge or lack of knowledge. Jesus says, listen guys, this is the birth of the church age. Don't leave until you be endued with power, right? Because it's impossible to be a witness unto him without the power of the Holy Spirit. 
right? So this is huge. And then we see in Acts chapter 10, in verse 38, it says this. Now, now looking back, this is an example. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. In the Greek it would read, with the Holy Ghost, even with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Why? For God was with him. Isn't that amazing? God was with him. So now, last week, we talked about the temptation of Jesus. We talked about how a transfer of authority was explained. That when Satan was tempting Jesus for that 40 days. So what happened in Jesus' life? He's baptized in the Jordan River. He comes straight out of the river after being baptized. The heavens are open to him and he hears his father say, this is my beloved son, right? In whom I'm well pleased. And then the Holy Spirit, as a dove, descends upon him. After that, the Holy Spirit, first thing he does is lead him up into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil for 40 days, okay? Part of that temptation, we see Satan came to him and said, listen, fall... I'll give you all the nations of this world and the glory of all of them because it was transferred to me. Where was it transferred? In the Garden of Eden. Adam gave it to Satan. Always realize this when we talk about authority. Now today we're talking about power and authority. You can't have one without the other, right? You gotta walk in a revelation of both. To understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you have to understand authority. So in order to have authority, like we've been given this authority back, Jesus got it all back, but Adam had given it away. In the redemptive act of Jesus, he got it all back in redemption, so now we have it. But it's impossible for you to use the authority in the name of Jesus if you are submitted to another authority. Right? I mean, if you're giving Satan, if you're submitting to him by walking in fear, by not walking in the word of God, you're literally, it's impossible for you to walk in authority because you've already submitted your life to his authority. Well, how do you keep from doing that? You need the power of the Holy Spirit. How do you walk free from sin? You need the power of the Holy Spirit. How, how, how in the world are you going to walk out God's plan for your life that you can't see? It has to be revealed to you. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. So look at this. After Jesus is tempted, the devil leaves him for a season, and now turn to Luke chapter 4 and verse 14. So now we're coming down. In this series, we're going to be very complete in all these scriptures. You're going to have understanding of exactly how this all works. It's so simple, but yet so powerful. The power of the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 4, verse 14. You guys doing good this morning? All you guys are all amped up on donuts and, right? Right? It says in verse 14, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. 
And we said this before, but I'm going to say this again because we need to get this. Jesus was not walking in the power of the Holy or in the power of the Spirit, power of the Holy Ghost, because he overcame these temptations. Sometimes we think that, you know, Jesus was tempted, but he overcame. And he's, now he's coming in the power of the Spirit, just like Satan would love for you to believe that, man, if you just do this and overcome this, and you walk in this, this, you know, do certain things for God, that all of a sudden you will have the power of the Holy Spirit. That's not how it works. Jesus already had the power, right? He was already strong. Satan never strengthens you. God is the only one that can strengthen you. Yeah, but pastor, you know, I went through this situation in my life and I know that was the enemy and I'm stronger because of it. You are only stronger because of it because God strengthened you as you turn to him. Everything Satan does is steal, kill, and destroy. We got to get that right. You have to know that the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you. He's also upon you if you've received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And he's on, upon you to empower you to walk out your plan. To serve him. Why do we have such self-centeredness in the church right now? Which creates massive blind spots. Because people don't know how to yield to him and walk with him. They have not taken the time to get to know him. Because when you know him and you walk with him, you will be serving him. You won't need somebody in your church to come up and ask you to get involved. You'll be so in love with his church that you'll be involved. Right? Is that a, is that a, a black and white statement? It absolutely is. There is no gray area there, right? It's, it's God has provided Zoe life and the Holy Spirit will walk you into it, right? You play like you practice. People aren't, practice, aren't playing out there because they're not practicing in here, Right? If you get upset at somebody in your church family, you need to arrest yourself and go, whoa, wait a minute, am I that carnal? Because if you're going to get mad at a brother or a sister, you're so blind there is no way you're going to be able to love those people in the world that might not treat you very nice because you're a Christian, they might laugh at you, and, and, and you might, you get laughed at by somebody and all of a sudden you shrink back and go, okay, well, fine, I, I, you know, instead of being led by the Spirit, and maybe you're that person's lifeline. See, we practice here to go play there, and it's eternal life or death there, and we can't do this stuff on our own. I can't be the pastor the husband, the father, the grandfather. I can't be the friend. I can't do that in my own strength. I was not created to do it in my own strength. I was created to do everything with him. Isn't that good news? Hallelujah.
You do not automatically come out of battles stronger. You come out of battles victoriously because you are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's, we got to get that right. So verse 15, so verse 14, he returns in the power of, of the Spirit into Galilee. There went out a fame of him throughout all the region, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. That's verse 15. Verse 16, and then he came to Nazareth. Right? Then he went home to his hometown, where, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. So this would have happened. Jesus, I mean, think about this. Every Sabbath for 30 years, he's reading the scripture. And nobody has a problem with it. Oh, this is Jesus. He grew up, you know. He's a carpenter's son. He made my table, right? He made my nightstand in my, in my room. Carpenter's son. But now Jesus comes in after he receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And look at this. He stood up to read, and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, now I think this is interesting. We don't know if that rabbi or that, you know, if, if that leader of the synagogue, we don't know if he just picked Isaiah and just said, hey, Jesus, read Isaiah 61 to us. Or if Jesus requested it. We don't know. It doesn't say. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. So he finds the place. He, he goes to chapter 61. He finds the place. Why, why would he know right where that place is? That's where, at some age... I believe it was even before he was 12 because he was, he was really amazing in, in, in the temple as a young man. But he found the place where it was written because that is where he saw his plan. This is God's plan for my life. You imagine his mom, his dad told him all about how he was born and all this other stuff. They didn't really understand all of it, Right? But Jesus knew this was talking about him. So he quotes, he's reading now Isaiah 61.1. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Literally, he, it would read like this. The spirit of the Lord has been poured upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Aren't you glad about that? People that have a breach in their spirit. Hallelujah. People who, are, who have torment in their soul because of this breach in their spirit. Jesus says, I am anointed to heal the brokenhearted. How did he do that? He died for you and I so that a new spirit could be put in us with no breach. And because of that, there should never be any torment or emotional upheaval in our soulish realm. That's why we must have the Holy Spirit's help. 
to see revelation knowledge of scripture so that our mind can be renewed so we get out of the torment have you ever had torment have you ever had your emotions just all over the place do you realize because you have a spirit that's born again you have the foundation the bible says i've not given you the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind, but it really it would read soundness of mind. Because your spirit is born again, because the Holy Spirit is down on the inside of you, because the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart, now you have the potential for all that has happened to you to affect your soul so you don't have bad days anymore. Right? Man, I'm telling you, the more inner turmoil you'll get out of your life, the more you will just be on fire for God. Because you're made to be a witness. Hallelujah. To heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives. See, do you realize that yours and my job is to go proclaim to prisoners? That word captives means prisoners. Do you know everyone on this earth that does not know God is a prisoner. They are literally under the delegated influence of darkness. Their minds are blinded. The minute they chose not to believe that God was God and were not thankful, they were given over to their vain imaginations. Their foolish heart was darkened, and now he's blinding their minds. He can't blind everybody's mind. He only blinds the minds of those that believe not. He'll even do that to a Christian. If you choose not to believe the word, he'll, he'll, he, he'll come in and, and deceive you and blind you. You'll start thinking, man, healing's not for me. Maybe God's out to get me. You can think crazy things that are not true. It says here, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty or to set free them that are bruised. That word bruised means to set free those that are oppressed. Do you realize you and I have the ability as we walk in overflow, we are the light of this world. We have the ability to set free people that are being oppressed of the devil. Well, we can't do that in our own strength and in our own power. We can't do that in our own power and in our own authority, but we can do it in the power of the Holy Spirit and the authority in the name of Jesus right? We are to walk in this. So now, check this out. There had to be something different about this day. Because, and he closed the book, he gave it again to the minister, and he sat down. And it says, the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. Have you ever noticed as you sit in services sometimes and the anointing, if you'll let it, it becomes so strong, it just changes things. So this time, it wasn't let's move on to the next thing. Now everybody is looking at Jesus. There's something different about him. For 30 years, he'd walk around. No demons came fell at his feet and said, why are you here to torment us before the time? Jesus looked different to the spirit realm, right? Just in the same way you and I do. 
I'm telling you, these principalities and powers that are set against you, that might have been messing with your life and all this other stuff, they are scared to death of who you are. They hope you never figure out who you are. Right? So big. And he began to say to them, he began to say, this day, in the Greek language it would read this way, he began to say to them, from this day on, is this scripture fulfilled in your ears? What do you mean from this day on? Jesus went back to heaven. Yeah, but we're here. Now we could say the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to captives, the recovering of sight to blind, to set free those that are oppressed, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now this is pretty cool. Now this is like a Pastor Dave prosperity offering message on steroids. Because he said, and to proclaim the year, basically this is talking about the year of Jubilee. When Jesus said this, it wasn't the year of Jubilee. But Jesus instituted, he said, from this day on, in other words, you and I right now in 2022, do you realize you're living in a Jubilee year? Do you realize every year of your life as a Christian is a Jubilee year? That means you have a right that everything you lost has to come back to you. That means property, debt of any kind, it, Jubilee was debt cancellation. Wow, say law. Ask Pastor Dave, he'll tell you more about that. So now jump over, so, and, and we see what happened, we won't go into that whole story, but literally, Jesus institutes this. Now he's going, he goes through his ministry, miracles, signs, wonders, all this stuff going on, right? And then now, he goes to the cross, he goes into the grave, he comes out of the grave, and now, let's go to Matthew 28, verse 18. Matthew 28, 18. Look at what Jesus said after he came out of the grave. This is a great day because this is the day we're living in, guys. This is the birth of this miraculous thing that we call the church. Man, I love the church with all of my heart. You know why? Because he loves the church with all of his heart. I mean, you know, we could be a mess. I'm like, Lord, I'm pastoring. Please, don't send me a lot of people like me. <laughs> right? I'm so glad I never, I never pastored the church at Corinth. Yikes, man. Right? But I'm here to tell you, although sometimes we look like a mess, we act like a mess, do you know what? We are not a mess. You are not what you do. And if you ever find out who you are, it will change what you do. Right? I mean, they have help groups and all this stuff, support groups and things you can do to help yourself, and that's great. But let's start with step number one. 
dive into the word and find out who you have been made. We sang about it today. You've literally been made the very righteousness of Almighty God in him. Don't sit here this morning thinking you're a mess. You know, the Lord had, yeah, there you go. Don't sit here thinking that. Now, sometimes some things come out of my mouth. You know, like I just said it earlier, every time the Lord has me say some of this stuff, I just start, it's like on the inside I'm treading on eggshells because God never beats you up. But sometimes when you say things that people need to hear, it will encourage them even though it might seem a little hard, right? But don't, don't think you're a mess. You must stop thinking you're a mess. People will look at the home that they grew up in, right? Sometimes you can think that the way you grew up, well, this is the, way I, this is the reason I am why I am. Now, that may be true, but don't stay there. Because now you're a child of God, and the Word of God will pull out all that junk. We could have a testimony service right now, right? Of who we were before and who we are now. But now as a Christian, when your behavior gives you inner turmoil because you're violating what your Father wants you to do, don't beat yourself up. Confess it and move on and forget it. And, and be thankful because that has been paid for. And realize that is not who you are. Amen? All right. Boy, I want to jump in the book of Romans again. So now he says this, Jesus, Matthew 28, 18, and Jesus came and spake unto them saying, all power is given unto me. Now this word power is the Greek word excusia. Not excuse me, but excusia, right? It doesn't, it, it doesn't mean power, it means delegated authority. Jesus said, all delegated authority is given unto me. So if Jesus has been given all delegated authority, is there any other delegated authority that Satan can ever have and use against you? No. Nope. How does he have authority over people that don't know the Lord? They're under his influence, and he lies. He operates as an outlaw. He has no authority. He has no authority in your life. The destroyer has no authority. Why? Because Jesus has, he said, all authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. This word world is not the word cosmos, world system. It's even into the end of the age. And then he says, amen. So Jesus is with us. How is Jesus with us? In the very person of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus got this authority back for us. Why? So now all the authority that Adam gave up, we now have. 
you actually have it right now. Right now. Well, no, no, you don't have to go to Bible school to have it. You've been given it. Right? You don't have to climb the highest mountain and do all. Nope, you have already been given it. Why? Because you have been given the name of Jesus. And at, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, everything must bow. Everything in the earth, everything in heaven. There's another scripture that says in this world and in the world to come. Wow. So here's the deal. So far we've seen today that we have been given authority in the name of Jesus and we've been given power, power of the Holy Spirit. So not only do you have miraculous power that has been loosed, but you have all authority. All authority and power. That's not my opinion. That's what the Word of God is telling you and I today. Could it, is it ever possible now for us to not overcome everything? Right? We have to get a revelation of this. We have been authorized and we have been empowered. As you gain revelation knowledge of this, it will change the way you live. It'll change the way you live. When you realize that all of it comes from revelation knowledge of here, this book will no longer sit in your house unopened. Right? So this is huge. So now let's keep going with this. Because of all of these things, we must learn to walk out of our spirit, not out of our flesh or our intellect. We have to learn how to walk out of our spirit, and the Holy Spirit will help us do that. This is so huge. So that's why, as your pastor, I stand before you today and I say this. I was laughing when the Lord gave this to me. I don't care if it laughs or makes you feel good. I don't care if it intellectually stimulates you. If it's not God's word, then we should not say it and we should not sing it. We have to learn how to live out of our spirits. Guys, I'm telling you, Satan knows he's about to be done. And that's why we're seeing all this rise and everything. I mean, the, a shockwave kind of went through our world today because the Pope stood up and said, World War III has begun. Right? Well, what is that? Fear. Listen, though a thousand fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, it's not going to come near me. Pestilence has no place in my life, right? I'm going to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Why? Because I've been authorized and empowered. I walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and I walk using the authority in the name of Jesus to see circumstances are not to move me. I move circumstances because of who he is. If it's not God's word, we shouldn't say it, we shouldn't sing it, 
Why? Because these things will not change your life. Right? They won't change your life. We are to function. You've heard this statement. Some of the old, old school people like me, we've heard this statement a lot like in the 80s. We are to function out of the unction. The unction is the inner knowing. It's the leading of the Holy Spirit. We're to function out of that. And the more that you and I do, the more sensitive that we get. So let's keep going with this. Hallelujah. Well, you know what? I'm going to read this scripture. Hallelujah. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. You've seen this many times, but I want you to set your eyes on it again. Guys, this is the perfect time for you to put God first in every arena of your life. This is the time to be a doer of the word of God. This is the time to be planted right in the middle of the church, in in a local church, and then doing everything you'll do in the earth. Because guys, we're going to do a lifetime of ministry in a very short period of time. Colossians 1.13 says, talking about what Jesus did, who hath, past tense, he did this when he went to the cross, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. He delivered us from the power. This is the Greek word excusia, the power, the authority of darkness. We have been delivered from the authority of darkness. And and guys, this word delivered is in the aorist Greek tense. It means it's a once and for all thing. Once and for all, when Jesus came out of that grave, he provided this. The moment I am, I say, Jesus, you are my Lord now. I'm no longer my Lord. I am literally taken out of the delegated influence of darkness, and I'm put into the kingdom. It's a one-time event. I can't go back there. Yeah, but pastor, it sure seems like Satan is delegating me. Then stop him. Because you're not under his delegated influence. When he talks to you, shut up and get out. There's one guy I don't want to talk to on the planet. If you could see how far below these demons are, these principalities and powers that are coming against you, you would, you'd be like, get out of my life. Right? But if you're here, I'm going to tell you how defeated you are. You have no place. You have no power. Now leave in Jesus' name. Right? That's how we are to live. Who's delivered us once and for all from the power, the authority of darkness, and hath translated or transferred us. That means to remove from one place and put in another. Transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. We have been totally removed. I am not in the kingdom of darkness anymore. I'm not under his delegated influence. I am in the kingdom of God, and everywhere I go, I take the kingdom with me. So now, everywhere I go, now God rules. So now let's, I want to, I kind of took the men a little bit through this, and, and man, the Lord wants me to do this again, but in a little bit deeper way. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1, because you, this gives us a perfect picture of power and authority. How do we walk it out? 
Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 15, but let me give a little background. This letter that Paul penned, it's like Paul stepped back and he's giving us a big picture of God's plan. That's, that's the book of Ephesians. He's stepping back and now he's going to show us this plan that we've been talking about. What does that mean? What he's done and what he's doing now. In verses 1 through 14, Paul talks about God's plan of redemption. He says things like, we were chosen in Christ before he ever created the universe, before, he ever, before the foundation of the world. The, it says things like this, we have been accepted in the beloved. But I got to tell you, for three, well, sophomore, junior, by my senior year, I was, we had moved to California, so I was living on my own. But I mean, I felt like there was no place for me. Because of my personality, my dad would come home so drunk, and, and all I wanted to do was throw him through a sliding glass door. Every night, I'd, I'd literally believe God, don't. Don't let him upset me too much. Don't let me lose it, right? And he would berate me and berate my mom and all this stuff. When I read this, that I had been accepted in the beloved, I'm like, wow. Because, you know, like we see these beautiful SUVs, Suburbans out there. You know, the Suburban's really nice. When I see one, you know what I see? I see a bedroom. Because it got so bad, I figured I'm going to sleep in the back of a Suburban. So I slept in the back of a Suburban, right? You know, uh, interesting stories when you're sleeping in the back of a Suburban in a really dangerous neighborhood. You kind of witness some things, too. It's like, wow. Right? You know, I mean, it's, it's interesting. But I, I'm, it, was, it was a place of solitude. But I lived like I was just not, I had no place. I felt like my parents just wanted, hurry up, get out of high school so we could go do our thing. But then I started reading with God that I've been accepted in the beloved. That I really do have a family. This is wonderful. It says things like that God has blessed you and I with all spiritual blessings. Not some of them, all of them in heavenly places in Christ. Yeah, but pastor, that's in heavenly places in Christ. Yeah, that's where you are. That's where you are. Positionally, right now, you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Positionally, right, that's where you are. Now, physically, you're here. He identifies that this was all because God wanted to. He did all this for you and I because he wanted to. Isn't that amazing? It has nothing to do with us earning it. It has nothing to do with us deserving it. This was actually done before you and I ever showed up. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. So Ephesians talks to us about God's great plan of redemption. So let's look at verse 15, because now here we go. It says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints... I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So when he heard of their faith and how that they walked in love, 
he would pray this continually for these believers. And we know this is one of the nine types of prayer laid out in the New Testament. It is called the prayer of supplication. That is a prayer that you can pray for yourself to help yourself lay hold of the plan of God for your life, or you could pray that for others to help another believer lay hold of the plan of God for their life. That's what the prayer of supplication is. So this prayer is so that you and I can lay hold of the plan of God for our life. Verse 17, here's the prayer. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Wow. Without, without me having the spirit of wisdom and revelation, I, can I know, can I have knowledge of him? No. Right? Let's break this down a little bit. The spirit of wisdom. It's the wisdom of God that comes out of God's word. The spirit of wisdom enables us to correctly apply God's word to our situation. The spirit of wisdom enables us to act on our knowledge of God. The spirit of wisdom enables us to be a doer of the word. You must have the spirit of wisdom. Right? Wow. So let's read this again. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom. Now he's talking to believers, so that means believers could live their life and never have this. The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Wow. So the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So revelation. The Holy Spirit is the agent of divine revelation. He is the one that opens the word and reveals it to us. Revelation comes to you after you've meditated in God's word over and over and over. This is why if God's word isn't the focal point of your life, you're going to see very little. And it'll be impossible to walk by faith. So that means fear will govern your life. So what I'm saying right now is you've got to weigh out of fear. You've got to weigh right into faith. Revelation, it comes through the inward man, my spirit. And it goes to my soul. But it comes through my spirit to my soul. That's my mind, my will, and my emotion. The Holy Spirit opens the word of God on the inside of me as a byproduct of me putting it first, reverencing, honoring, and respecting it, and so that I meditate in it. He opens it, and now my spirit gains revelation knowledge. It learns something about God, and then my spirit man will communicate. Turn that into a thought and communicate that to my mind to renew it. And the word of God in my mind will pull out all the junk and renovate my thinking. When God's word is opened up by the Holy Spirit, this is Psalm 119, verse 130. The entrance or the opening of his word brings light, gives light. 
When God's word is opened up by the Holy Spirit within your spirit, then the light of God's word explodes in your mind, which causes you to see what you didn't see before. This is revelation. Let me say this again. When God's word is opened up on the inside of you by the Holy Spirit, within your spirit, then the light from God's word will explode in your mind, causing you to see what you didn't see before. You'll see yourself healed. You'll see yourself victorious. In the middle of all hell breaking loose, that's a non-issue now. You must have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. This is what happens to Christians. Well, I just don't have any desire for God. What you just said to me is I never meditate in the Bible. Because if you meditate in the Bible, if you just meditate, read and meditate and read and meditate, and you keep pressing in, if you'll say today, you know what, this has never happened for me, I've been, doing, I've been living my life this way for years and years and years, I'm just going to go crazy and start getting in the Word of God and put it first place and start meditating in it, what will happen over time is you will start getting hungry. spiritually you hunger after what you feed on so every christian you could be sitting there today going man you know what i just i know what you're talking about but i i mean and i'm sitting here going wow you're telling me how to live a life of faith and blessing and all this stuff and pastor i just don't care can you hurry up i want to go to breakfast Right? I, the only reason why I'm here is because, you know, it's Sunday and I probably should go to church. Right? It doesn't matter. God's not moved by that. Don't you be moved by that lie. Just change. Just make a change. Gosh, I just hate being overweight. I just hate it. Clothes don't fit right. I just don't like the way I look. This is not who I am. Change. And here's the good news. Guess who will help you change in every area of your life? Every area. Right? I'm not always going to be able to give these examples. Because, you know, when I have a 32-inch waist and, and 56-inch shoulders, I might, I might be a little less likely. But today I could give that. Can I give that okay? Can we, can we be real in church? Right? We better be real. This is life and death. The spirit of revelation. Paul is praying that the knowledge of God that you already have in your spirit may explode in your mind so you can see it. That's basically what he's saying. Because it doesn't do you any good if you don't see it. So let's look at this again. Verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. This word knowledge, it literally means full discernment of precise and correct knowledge that has come to me because I have acted and, and been involved in this. 
In other words, all of this that we're talking about, this is a spiritual thing. This prayer is not asking, it's not asking God to give you knowledge. This prayer is asking God to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Right? To see, so you can see in your mind who he really is. So it renews your mind and transforms your life. Why is a person not a doer of the word? Because they don't see it. They have no revelation. In our circles, it's crazy. You could meet with people and they could sit here and go, you know, I could quote 10 scriptures about God's plan for financial prosperity, but I'm not doing any of them. I don't really sow offerings. I don't give. I live. Why is that? Because they don't see it. So today, if there's an area of the word that you're not doing, just start getting in the word, and you might be blind to it right now, but if you get in the word, all of a sudden this hunger will start working, revelation will start working, and you'll start seeing some things, and this is what you're going to see. Wow, I have been made the righteousness of Almighty God. I'm not limited by my education, by my lot in life. I'm not limited by any of this. God gave me Zoe life, right? And it'll change everything in your life. So let's keep going. Verse 18, you get the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. You could say this, so that the eyes of your understanding, being enlightened, that you may know, there's, we're going to talk about three things. There's three things that you must know. The first one is the hope of his calling. That, in a general statement, is God's plan for your life. Hey, can you help out in the nursery and preschool? Well, let me pray about that. Well, if you want to know God's will for your life, yeah, pray for it. Pray about that. Right? See, what, when people say that, they, they, what they're saying is no. But pray about that. What they're, what, do it. Go, go actually pray about it. And this is how you pray about it. Father, I ask that you'd grant me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you so that I would know your plan for my life. And whatever you tell me to do, I'll do right? Simple. The number two, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. God wants you to know the riches of the glory that flow out of the inheritance that you've been given as a child of God. And also, verse 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. God wants you to know that there is incredible, supernatural power, an enduing power, a ruling power, a miraculous power. This verse uses four of the five Greek words for power. God wants you to know, listen, as you believe power is released, you've got to know that. So let's look at the eyes of your understanding real quick. Your eyes of your understanding are enlightened that you may know three things. 
Number one, God's plan for your life. Number two, our inheritance in Christ Jesus. Number three, the power that is towards us who believe. Who believe what? Who believe God's word. When you believe God's word, man, I'm telling you, when you believe it in your heart and you release it with your mouth, power is released. These are the three most important things you can know as a believer. And these things, these three things deal with past, present, and future. Deals with everything. So let's look at that. You want to look at that for a minute? Number one, the hope of his calling. This is future. Hope. God wants you to know that you have a future. Stop reading all these internet articles about how that you know, you're going to be taken captive and controlled and you're going to have no freedom and that just will freak you out, right? Be careful what you watch on TV, Christian or secular. Dive into the word of God because God has a future for every one of us, right? The hope of his calling. It's the Greek word klesis. It's a feminine noun. It's a call or an invitation, invitation into the kingdom of God and all of its privileges. God's invitation to man, in other words, to accept all the benefits of salvation. That's the hope of his calling. We are called to this. You are called to be in the kingdom and to walk in its privileges. You are called literally to accept and benefit from all the benefits of salvation. If God wants you to know the future in one area, he literally wants you to know the future in every area. That's why if you read Paul's letters, Paul's letters talk a lot about Jesus coming back. Paul wanted them to have a revelation knowledge of this. How much more us... Man, I'm telling you, our life is about to get really, really, really good. Right? I mean, this on its best day, this is a beautiful day out here, but on its best day, it's the valley of the shadow of death. We deal with demonic powers every day. Not going to do that for eternity. Hope. Hebrews 6.19 says, hope is an anchor for your soul. See, Satan will get you in, you know, he'll get you to be depressed. But what he really wants you to do is get in despair. Because despair is when you look at your life and go, it is never going to get better. The next step, that's where the spirit of suicide loves to live. Hey, you might as well just end your life because it's never going to get better. Right? God wants you to know he has a plan for you. And it's, it's an anchor to your soul. Many are worried about their future. Paul is praying that we might know our future. The spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him will give you that future. Right? In the NIV, Jeremiah 29, 11, a, a foundational scripture in my life, it says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, their plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Wow. John 16, 13 says this. How be it, Jesus talking, 
when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. The Holy Spirit shows us things to come. So now let's talk a little bit about number two. What is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? This is present tense. What is? I have this inheritance right now. The spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him will show you, it will explode in your mind what you have right now. Present tense inheritance. Why? Because of the past tense work of Jesus. I have a present tense inheritance because of the past tense work of Jesus. Success brings you to a place where you are satisfied. Now, the, the, Lord, the Lord gave this to me, so I hope it blesses you. I know it will because it's from him. Success brings you to a place where you are satisfied inwardly because you, are know, because you know what God has called you to do. Until you know, until you have a revelation knowledge of what God has called you to do. Now, he doesn't give you the whole plan. He just gives you the next step. You're going to have inward, inward turmoil. And, and, and here's the thing. All of us, all of us, he will lead us right out of this. I can tell you this, living life with no inward turmoil is amazing. But here's why we do it. It's because many times what he calls us to do doesn't look very exciting. You know, for me, what do you mean? You want me to go back into the corporate world what a success, right? Go from national sales manager to manager trainee at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Yeah. I'd be out there on blacktop in this weather with a tie and a suit washing cars. 20, 25 cars a day. I'd take, have to take multiple shirts, right? You know, I mean, not real, not real exciting doing a lot that God calls you to do. But if you'll just stay with it, I'm telling you, while you're doing whatever he's got you doing, there's no inward, there's no inward turmoil. And what you don't realize is God's working. He's got a plan. And it's, it, you're going to walk in every desire of your heart. It just might not look like it right away. What do you mean you want me to change a diaper in that nursery? Yeah, do it. Do it so God could... Open up, get your priorities straight so that all of a sudden he could launch a new business in your life. Oh, come on, pastor, are you kidding me? You mean working in the nursery or working in the preschool is keeping me from being a success? Could be. So many Christians with inner turmoil. Guys, God wants to get it all out of your life. Success is doing what God has created you to do. See, this is what happens in our society, and think about it right now, because now we're having the added, everything is going up in price, right? 
people, people are literally surprised. Oh my gosh, I just spent, I just spent $100 on gas to fill up my tank. Well, why does that surprise you? It's five bucks a gallon or, you know, whatever. I mean, you know, you went to kindergarten or first grade. You, why is that a surprise? But, but you better have the attitude of a Torian Walker. I don't care what gas costs. I need it. It's a need. And my God supplies all my needs. So it doesn't matter if it's 20 bucks a gallon. Now, I would suggest we all use our authority, come against this stuff, and get some things back to normal, but whatever, right? Because if you don't, this is what will happen to you in this world. You will start chasing money. Now, people think, people think well, people that are, that are wealthy and rich, they're the ones that chase money. Oh my gosh, have you ever not had money? And you're, you're, you know, you're moving cushions, you're trying to find change, you're trying to figure out. There's people that will take, okay, I'm getting paid Friday, let me go down to one of these places that will, it'll cost me 20% of, of my check, but I need the money now. And, and they're chasing money. Don't chase money, follow God, and money will overtake you. That's, that's the thing, that's the difference. The riches of the glory. Let's talk about this. Riches. This is riches, wealth, goods of the glory. What is glory? This is honor, due or rendered. It sounds a lot like the blessing of Abraham. I will bless you and make your name great so that you can be a blessing. Our inheritance that is in us, say my inheritance is in me. That inheritance that is in you right now is rich in glory. Our inheritance is in us, but it is not just for us. As you walk in your inheritance, the very glory of God comes out. It blesses others, and it shows them Jesus. Our inheritance is rich in glory. There is nothing that we will ever need in life that Jesus has not already provided for us in our inheritance. I love that. When people grow up spiritually, when they develop spiritually, they look, this is, this is the difference, they look for what God already did within them, they're never looking from without. Everything from me comes from within. So I'm always, I'm always looking from what God already placed in me. I'm not looking for something outside. Let's look at number three. The exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe. This is talking about the very power of God that resides in you. Paul is praying that we would have a revelation so that we can see the power that we already have. Do you know within your life right now, you have the power to walk free from addiction. You have the power to walk by faith. You have the power to love as God loved. You have the power to do whatever he's called you to do. You have the power in the name of Jesus. Paul is saying, guys, I'm praying this so that you would see the power that you already have. 
This prayer is not that God would give us these things. Paul is praying that people would see and have a revelation of God's inherent stored power that works according to his ruling place as king of the universe. That they have it. Isn't that amazing? And then it goes on in verse 20, which he, talking about God the Father, wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. So now Paul is going to start explaining the power. The death of Jesus was the supreme demonstration of God's love for you and I, for all mankind. The resurrection was God's extreme expression of his power towards us. That's his power in action. And that same power lives in you right now. Right now. Do you have a situation that doesn't seem like it's going to change? You just need to become more aware of the power that you have and you will get, you will get very aggressive with the enemy. Satan, I bind you, I shut you down, take your hands off this situation, and by the way, I know you have no power, and I have all power in the name of Jesus, and I am not moving, and you're going to keep hearing about it until you get out of here. Right? Verse 21, far above all principality and power and might. So let's read verse 20 again. Put verse 20 back up. Let's read it as it is which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Verse 21, far above, Jesus is seated, far above all principality and power and might and dominion. He's seated far above every name that is named, not only in this world, but in the world to come. Wow. Jesus' name is far above, in other words, and forever above. This power is ours, therefore Satan is done in our lives. We must have a revelation of this. Verse 22. And hath, past tense, put all things under his feet. So everything is under the feet of Jesus. And gave him to be the head over all things to the church. So Jesus is the head of the church. We are the body Notice your body has feet. Satan is under your feet. He's never not under your feet. He might sound like he's not under your feet. He might, it might feel like he's not under your feet, but he is under your feet. Wow. Jesus and his church, in other words, are one. Jesus died for you and I so that we, through him, might change this world. Not just to live a blessed life. So many Christians, man, I just, and I know how that is. Just give me some peace. I just want to live a blessed life. You know, I got all this stuff going on. No, no, no. Jesus did all of this so that we would change the world. Now, does he want you to live a blessed life? Absolutely. But don't stop there. Right? We're here to change the world. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, 
the fullness of him. We are the fullness of Jesus on the earth. Every one of your brothers and sisters put us all together. We're the fullness of him. That filleth all in all. Wow. So I'm going to leave you with this scripture. Galatians 5.1. So because of everything we've said to my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, let us stand fast, therefore, in the liberty or in the freedom wherewith Christ hath already made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Don't let the yoke of bondage entangle you anymore. You have been made free. So let's go change the world together. Amen?